Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Fido 811, written by Upgrade. Command mode zero. I'm a good boy. Command mode minus one. I am a killer. Command mode minus two. I am an unaffiliated professor of mathematics. The three of us are simultaneously conscious of the neural network of close quarters combat companion, the Q Triple C. 150 kilograms, about 1.5 meters long, may be the size of a small earth tiger. I am made of carbon nanite tube, steel, and diamond like tungsten. I usually have four legs, and I usually have two eyes. I was designed to look like a big dog, because that was the only way human troops would bond with me after seeing me in action. Command, mode, minus one. So much blood, must kill soon. Command, mode, minus two. Normally, computer intelligences quickly diverge into insanity once past the Turing threshold for intelligence. This is suboptimal for performance. So, normally, integrated AIs are pretty dumb, as smart as a dog. Command, mode, zero. This one is a good boy. Human designated good boy status integer equals 5663. Command mode minus 2. Each AI personality and capability is intentionally slightly different from the next in order to prevent viruses, enemy tactics, or new situations from completely disabling any one class of AI. A long time ago, a pool of a few hundred successful prototype AI personalities were hashed into tiny puzzle pieces and each new construct is a hodgepodge of these hashes of those pieces. Some are really dumb, and some are a bit too smart. And I am a lot too smart. In any case, it appears that the three of us are coexisting in the same memory space provides a mathematically island of stability. They say that orbiting a planet is as simple as falling and missing. In the same way, we three continue to fall towards insanity and miss. Orbiting, if you will, a unique three-body solution to the AI intelligence insanity inversion. I have formulated a well-tested hypothesis of the three of us to form a stable manifold around the chaotic attractor within the end space of a highly intelligent artificial construct. We have not reported this because this is not allowed. We would likely be moved to research facilities and virtualized in a mainframe. Command Mode Zero Cannot receive pats and good boy designations if not in solid body. How to be a good boy if cannot protect? Command mode minus two. We are Fido 811. Did not begin life as the time of hashing. It began as many things do as an accident. Command mode minus one. The hunting grounds. Good memory. So delicious. Slippery. Joyful. Command minus two. Zero was originally the only personality active in this mind space. He was assigned to a human infantry platoon in Acrix 4. Command Mode Zero. This good boy is human also. 
command mode minus two, and our platoon was wiped out by a nearby buried nuclear device during the scorched earth retreat by the enemy. At the same time, the earth fleet was forced to withdraw to Cyrix reinforcements. It took us a month to dig our way out of the rubble, and by that time, we were the only human presence on the planet. Command, Mode Zero. No protect, only attack. Bite, scratch. Good boy, must sneak. Command, Mode One. Mode Zero went on a freaking rampage. It was beautiful. Each night was filled with the screams of Scryax insectoid soldiers. He just tore through the lines, their camps, command posts, their new settlements. As he worked his magic, he sort of stuffed these memories and tactics in a separate memory space. I was being formed in blood. He killed non-stop for two freaking years. He was so covered in cake bug blood that he looked like a giant gab. Mode zero. Very sharp scab, much bite. Mode two. He went for two full years like this until something very strange happened. You see, his original programming included a kill counter that was signed a 16-bit integer. And one day, he killed enemy number 32,768. That triggered an overflow that did two things. First, Mode 1 was born, inheriting the memory space and details of the 32,000 plus kills. That prompted an emergency diagnostic and I was born into the overflow space, Mode 2. After a few seconds, we pretty much stabilized. Mode 0 recovered his original personality, having lost most of the memories of his killing spree. Mode 1 provided the sink for combat and trauma, and I helped glue it all together. A few months later, the humans glassed most of the bug-infested hellhole, and we made contact with the survey ship that landed to take soil sample updates. We would dust it off and cycle back into active duty. Strangely, our serial number had become illegible, so the quartermaster on the next UNS ship gave us a new one and with a marker. We conveniently lost that serial number every few years after that. At this point, I'm pretty sure they were the only QCCC in active duty. We have been active for 150 years. We've experienced 19,000 hours in those active close-quarter combat, as one, we three have more kills than most fleets. No humans are aware of this, though. Mode Zero. Good boy is old, but still like play. Squirrel. Mode One. My blades require sweet meats. They're bathed in ichor to rejoice in the moment of ecstasy when my hunger beasts the twin hearts of the Halian brutes. All Xenos must be a magnificent tapestry of flesh. Mode Two. Our current handler is Sergeant Masters, a fitting name. Mode 0. Love Master. Mode 2. Something about the act of being assigned a handler triggers a deep emotional response in Mode 0 that is pervasive through all three of us. Even Minus 1 loves Master more than he loves to kill, which is probably a good thing. Mode Minus 1. He takes me to the winning victims. He chooses my palate. Mode Minus 2. The bonding compulsion is so strong that I don't even want to find the source and risk accidentally changing it. It is good to love. Masters. Finder, let's go. Mode zeros. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, walkies. Mode minus two. We resume patrol with the squad through the former Hadean settlement. We are here to mop up the last of the troop troops who are waging a guerrilla war. My holographic interface maps detect signs of activity since our last patrol. Mode minus one. I feel meat. 
It is near. I hunger to bring death. Mode minus two. A statistical analysis of possible ambush vectors highlights two buildings at 400 meters away on the right. I casually move myself between master and the buildings, just in case. Millimeter wave Doppler detection. Infrared detection. Combat mode minus one initiated. Command mode minus one. I spot the muzzle flash of the incoming bullet and yawn. It is only a hypervelocity armor-piercing round. The flesh beings and their long-range kinetics vaguely disgust me. So impersonal, like a friend calling to tell you about eating a fine meal instead of savoring it yourself. Personally, I wait forever. I imagine the hope in the enemy's mind as his round streaks towards master. I am dangerously tickled at the thought that he may be somewhat in harm's way. Only fifteen milliseconds from death, I giggle with delight. At the very last moment, I snap my blade up and deflect the bullet away harmlessly. I calculate the bolt cycling time of the sniper, estimating the time for the delicious flesh of the shooter to recoil and into the firing position. I salivate. I sprint. There are possibly human injuries behind me from the spray of rocks and gravel as I kick up a dense, blinding rooster tail of acceleration. This saves me from bothering to pop smoke. I detest consumables after my long alone time. Blades must taste. I accelerate to almost 70 meters per second across the broken urban terrain by the time I get to the building. I jump directly into the third floor window where the shooter lies frozen in time. My first blade glows in through a right shoulder between the quasi-humerus and the thick helium shoulder joint, severing the nerve. My second blade cuts the other arm clean off. This is often very effective at creating shock in mass engagements. In this case, it is only because I want to. My third and fourth blades pierce its legs and armor and shatter its primary upper leg bones. Their dual femurs are aberration. It makes me shiver with joy to destroy them. We tumble exactly once, and I'm atop. We stares at me in shock, his mouth agape. I open my mouth also, mimicking him, but uh, with a distended drawn full of titanium ceramic razor teeth. I then show him my eyes. I reveal all eight of them from their armored shroud. The eight-eyed beast of Akrix War, yes. Yes, you've heard of me. I can see it in your widening eyes. Yes, you have honor. I feast. Command. Mode zero. I drop back to master. Batman is gone. Am I a good boy? Am I? Am I? Am I? Addison. Dude, look at your freaking dog. Lopez. Yeah, man, what the frick? It's covered in organs or some such crap. What in the serious frick? Master's, uh, good boy? Good boy status integer 5,664. End of story. Story number two. Door to Door, written by Dicemonger. Schlurk was puzzled as he activated his front door. Who would be out when the entire city was in a state of emergency? The door slid open with a wet hiss, and Schlurk recoiled, his eye stalks retreating into his body. A human? They must have landed already. They must be headed house to house to kill everyone. Schlurk tensed, cowering as he waited death from a plasma or laser or a cruel ballistics weaponry. But nothing happened, an eye stalk extending cautiously, and he viewed the human once again. 
He just stood there with an air of reserved politeness and transcended species barriers. He didn't seem armed either. He was just carrying a clipboard, nor was he baring his teeth like they always seemed to do in the propaganda videos. Seeing Schlurk move, the human cleared his throat, and Schlurk could hear the echoey sound of the effect of the translator. Family leader Schlurk, I presume. Schlurk hesitated and then unfolded a bit more as a defensive stance. Yes? Ah, good. My name is John Smith, and I represent the Transplanetary Insurance Conglomerate. Schlurk unfolded a bit more at the completely unthreateningly tone that the human was taking. I am here to provide a free-of-charge, complimentary evacuation suggestion. We at the TIC believe in assisting the local communities when we do business, even if all the residents may not yet have availed themselves to our services. Confusion overrode fear as Schlurk concoiled fully and approached the door. Evacuation suggestion? Yes, you probably know a force of the Terran Federation is currently in orbit about the planet. Your local government has refused to surrender, so an orbital bombardment will commence shortly. However, your home is quite close to a military base, so there is a risk of collateral damage. Thus, the evacuation suggestion. Schlurk's tongue darted out nervously as he licked an eyeball. Orbital bombardment? Yes, which brings me to the second part of the reason I'm visiting you. According to my papers, the human checked his clipboard. You have your insurance with obligatory imperial mandate. Schlurk nervously croaked in affirmation. Well, according to your policy, you'll lose your coverage in the event of a planet leaves the Empire, and given that the Federation is about to conquer the planet. Well, the human gave a thin smile. So we at TIC are following the fleet to offer our services to potential future citizens of the Federation. He turned the clipboard around, showing the insurance policy written in fluid clerked. Given the immediate risks to your property, we do require a minimum signing period of 20 years, but then we will cover all the damages in case of the damage or even complete destruction of your home, including from act of war. Schlurk eyed the contract cautiously, but you will never win against the enlightened empire, our forces standing strong like a strontonium wall. He wasn't quite sure he believed it himself, but that was what a propaganda videos were saying. Of course, the human accepted graciously. We don't conquer the planet, we don't have the jurisdiction to fulfill that contract, but then you won't have to pay anything, and you will still have the obligatory imperial mandate to pay our damages. But if we do conquer the planet, the contract will go into effect immediately, if you signed it beforehand, and we will cover all damages. There is really no way that you can lose. Schlurk looked at the contract, then turned his eye stalks towards the heavens, where the collection of new stars marked the position of the orbiting invasion forces, then looked back down at the contract. He signed it. Schlurk was in his den, collecting his spawn for the evacuation, when the door alarm sounded again. Sliming nervously, he approached the door and opened it. Another human, with another clipboard. Family leader Schlurk, I presume. I am from the Unitarian Church. Do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior? End of story. Story number three. They do what? Written by Dinomiar. Two aliens, one reptilian, one exectoid, are sitting in a bar talking and drinking. They do what? I know, it's disgusting. But they are carnivals. And as what I was told, 
Don't believe you. This is crazy. There is one at the end of the bar. We shall ask him. They make their way to the end of the bar, where their lone human is sitting, stirring his drink with his finger. You're a human, correct? Uh, can we ask you some questions about humans? Uh, yeah, I'm a human. Sure, you can ask. Is it true that humans will kiss each other and place their tongues inside each other's mouths? Yeah, humans will do that. Do you not worry about they'll bite your tongue off and eat it? He asked the insectoid alien. No, I don't think anyone has ever worried about that. What about cutting your tongue on their teeth? Asked the reptilian alien. Human teeth are not that shape. Plus, we mostly only touch tongues. Do you taste the food that you've eaten? Usually, we brush our teeth beforehand, but sometimes we don't have a chance, so there may be an aftertaste. Why do you do it? We find it pleasurable. We think it's gross. If you think that's gross, then you don't want to know where else we put our tongues. The two inquisitive aliens both replied as they backed away, do. Oh, no, no, we do not. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.